welcome. Thanks for tuning in. I'm here to share wisdom that will empower you to create and maintain happiness, inner peace, and success in all your goals. So let's get started. Hi, welcome to Wellness Wisdom. I am Sharon White Fawn, founder of White Fawn Wellness, and I have with me today Lauren Clickin, who is our local organic farmer here in Mariposa, California. How you doing, Lauren? Good. How's it going? Really good. Thanks so much for being here. I know this is outside of your norm because you're usually outside, which is your norm. <laughs> so yeah. Thanks so much for taking your time to, to be here. So I'm going to read your bio and then uh, we'll get into some fun conversation about farming and, and what you do that is so valuable for our community and also for the planet. So Awesome. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Lauren Glickin and her husband, Andrew, are the owners of Raw Roots Farm. Their four-acre organic farm is located in the Sierra Nevada foothills. They are also teachers of sustainable living practices like na natural building, solar technology, great water systems, and so much more. They have two young, healthy, vibrant children, and I consider their entire family a valuable part of our community here in Mariposa. Lauren earned her bachelor's of science and master's degree, both in environmental science with the focus on environmental education from Antioch University in New England. And that's where she met Andrew, her partner in crops, I call you two. <laughs> <laughs> um, and together they began their farming adventures. Lauren taught outdoor education to both kids and adults and has worked in uh, Northern New Jersey on the Appalachian Trail teaching science, outdoor living skills, backpacking and canoeing, and I'm sure a lot more than just those things. She and Andrew moved to California, worked for the Yosemite Institute, and chose to stay in California because they saw a huge need for a farm in this area. Realizing that Yosemite and the Mariposa communities were both a food desert, as you call it, and I kind of want to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Here today for us to have a discussion about organic farming, no-till farming, regenerative farming, and agroecology, and even touch maybe on big ag as it contrasts to what she and Andrew are committed to doing. Um, what they do ties very much into our health and wellness, not just for us as humans, but also for the healing of our planet and for this earth. So, um, yeah, I don't know where we want to start. I like to go big and then zero in like now, now, now it's tell me about, you know, let's talk about us as humans. But like the big I was really um, when you mentioned agroecology, I had to look it up. I was like, I don't even know what that means, you know, so <laughs> I, I was thank you. You're such a great educator. Um, so I don't know if we want to begin with that, like tell us the difference between big ag and what you do, um, as you as you had told me before, like some you know are good not so good or you know so is that okay if we start there sure yeah and uh feel free to uh hone me back in because sometimes i get lost <laughs> <laughs> well, i'm so excited to hear what you have to say yeah awesome um so i'll just first say and i always say this whenever i talk to anybody about farming and what we do or anyone does is that I personally appreciate anybody in the farming business, no matter how they're farming. It's a hard job. Even if you're just riding inside a tractor all day long, it's still, you know, it's not easy. And we're feeding people. 
So I think that's important um, to remember and recognize and not, you know, pick people apart for how they're doing it, but just be appreciative that they're doing it. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's important. And every farmer is different. So, you know, there's lots of organic farmers. We're all different. There's lots of non-organic farmers. They're all different. And it really depends on, you know, what works for you and your situation. So how much land do you have? How many employees do you have? Or do you, are you not able to have employees? You know, that whole thing. Um, so it's all different. But um, see, I already lost my train of thought. <laughs> versus your oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, what, how we farm is more similar to how people farm before the industrial revolution happened, you know? So when that happened, um, it was awesome in that there are all these machines that were able to do things a lot faster and they could, you know, you could take a larger piece of land and turn it over quickly and put more crops in. And so once the industrial revolution happened, agriculture took a change, right? And so there was a lot more um, implementation going on. So a lot more tilling of the soil, like intensely, not just, you know, horseplow used to do it, which would only go down, you know, like that much into the soil. But now you have these huge disks that come through and that's a whole different concept um, than just, uh, you know, like a little bit of, of structure. And we can talk about soil structure later on. Um, but after the Industrial Revolution, then, you know, you started to have the huge chemical companies that would come out with all their pesticides. And then their, then they would also have, you know, their seeds that are made to withstand those pesticides. So only they can germinate in where pesticides have been spread, you know, that whole situation. And so big ag today is great in that it can grow a lot of food, you know, for a lot of people that's needed. But it is not necessarily the most environmentally friendly um, or or sustainable um, uh, way of of producing food. So, um, oh yeah, I'm going to interrupt you right there. Yeah, yeah. How is it not sustainable? To me, when I hear you say that, it seems like it would be more sustainable because they're manipulating all of the seeds in the soil. Right. So, what am I missing? Not sustainable in that um, you need to keep, you need to keep adding the, every year you keep adding those pesticides again. Uh, um, you know, you have to buy those certain seeds that have been engineered so that they can grow, but nothing else can grow around it. Like for, for me, that's a little awkward. Like, all right, this thing can grow, but nothing else is able to right now. Like that seems okay. a little, um, uh, I don't know how else to explain it, but weird no. uh <laughs> i understand where you're coming from now about that system yeah thank you for clarifying yeah and then you know when you do all, all that stuff to the environment it doesn't react in a nice way right so there's either too many fertilizers that are then added to those areas because the soil is degrading because it's getting turned over all this time or it's losing topsoil is being lost all over the place because of all that yeah. um disking and so it's just not like a system that can keep itself happy for a long period of time and that's wow. more like sustainable farm in my mind. Yeah, um, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Less manipulation, it's less natural. And uh, when we start manipulating nature, we yeah. have ill effects. Right. Yeah. And the technology, you know, in Big Ag has kept up with figuring out how to, how to do that, but not in a way that's sustainable. Does that make sense? Like they keep creating new 
ideas and I'm not an expert of it at all. Um, but it, it's just not, it's not the way that earth, uh, <laughs> yeah. works. If that makes exactly. sense. <laughs> so, yeah. um, obviously you're not an expert in big ag, but you are no. in what you do. And so let's talk about that if that's okay. Yeah. Cause yeah, I yeah, yeah. Farm, totally. and it's amazing. And I think you were almost completely off grid. No, tell me. Not really. I mean, we have, we have, um, solar panels and we have batteries, but we're still tied to the grid. Okay. Um, you know, if there was a power outage, we'd be okay, especially mm -hmm. in the summer, you know, for a bit of time, but, um, yeah, you yeah. need a couple more. Go the extra mile for that even. Yeah. You know, like oh yeah. So what you do is amazing. And so continue. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm interrupting because I'm so excited to hear. Oh. <laughs> Shut up and let you talk. It's all good. Um, yeah. So my husband and I, we started our farm, I think it's been about 11 years ago, 11 or 12 years ago. Um, we really had hardly any experience farming beforehand. We both worked on a small farm, organic farm in New Hampshire as part of our, our uh, master's degree. Um, but I didn't really know what we were doing. And we still don't think that we're like experts. You know, people will be like, oh, does these tomatoes look great? And I'm like, well, I've only grown them 11 times. You know, yeah. to me, that's not being an expert. Um, and every year. I've had your tomatoes. And I think right. Expert, but <laughs> right. But, you know, every year the weather's different and things constantly change. And um, so, yeah, we're definitely not experts. But we enjoy what we're doing and for the most part come out on top, which is <laughs> which is good. Um, yeah. So we, when we started farming, um, this was even before the, the regenerative term was being used. And that's now kind of like a flashy, cool word, um, which we're adopting because it fits our farm, not necessarily because we feel like we need to use it, if that makes sense. Um, but when we started farming, we, our first year, we tilled a tiny bit because that's how we learned in New Hampshire and in New England, you know, farmers, they come through with their little rototiller. So not like those big, big discs, but you know, enough. And then after a crop was over, they till it in, get the soil ready and, and put another crop in. And so we, we did that. And then both of us having backgrounds in ecology, lots of ecology, um, we're like, this doesn't make sense. Like why, why would you take soil that's happy and has grown something. And there's all these other, um, you know, like mycorrhizal fungi and beneficial um, insects in the ground and everything. Why would you take this happy little ecosystem and when it's over, you know, destroy everything and then hope that it all comes back again, right? <laughs> Common yeah. sense, really? Right, right. And thinking more, um, you know, Andrew and I both spent lots of time in the woods as kids and like, as adults and thinking about how forest works, you know, you walk through a forest and there's tall trees, they, the leaves fall down, they decompose, it starts to build a soil, you know, layer up and it's happy. It's, it's, you know, everything is contained and it creates this nice ecosystem. So that's a little bit more about what agroecology really is, is creating a good ecosystem that's, that's happy for the soil, but also happy with nature and everything around it. So that after that first year, which was only like August through December, that we tilled this one little section of the farm when we were starting, we were like, we're going to sell the tiller. <laughs> we're not going to do this anymore. Um, and then had done a little research and it was just starting to become um, 
not popular, but something that farmers, small farmers were talking about was just no-till farming. And so you, when this, when the, the vegetable is done or whatever crop is done, we come through, obviously if it's like a carrot or a potato, we have to pull it out of the ground, but um, things like kale or chard, we just kind of cut it right at the base, like right underneath the soil layer. Mm -hmm. So we're not pulling the root out. So we leave that. And then we just put another layer of compost on top. And then as the years have gone on, we've had to put less and less, but in the beginning, you know, to, to, to create a bed, um, put some amendments, some organic amendments, um, and then plant the next, the next crop. So we've been doing that now for 11 years. And the, we've noticed, I think it took about four or five years until we really noticed a difference in how the crops were turning over. There are less weeds because when you disturb the soil, all those weed seeds really love disturbance. That's why, that's why we call them weeds because they're growing where we don't want them, but they're happy. They thrive. They thrive um, during that. So like when you drive along the road on the highway or like a road, all those plants that are growing on the edges Uh love it because they're constantly getting, you know, like, disturbed and the seeds are happy and Uh if that makes sense yeah um yeah so we noticed that we also noticed that the the soil's ability to retain water was increasing and for us in california that's really important um that was a big concern when we started farming was like we don't want to use too much water we know that some years it's wet and some years it's not and we want to figure out how to grow a lot of food without whole lot of water mm-hmm. um, and so by not tilling you know the, the soil structure is staying um I'm not a soil scientist so I can't explain it in a very educational way but it's it's able to hold the water a lot more than you know if you're breaking it up a lot um yeah. the water just kind of like goes through down to the to the ground level again whoa that's amazing. Yeah. So the the soil is more nutrient dense, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're using less water, which means I mean I know farming is a lot of work, but I'm thinking less water might mean a little less work for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and the weeds. So like, there's less there's less weeding this time of year. We weed because it rains, and so there's yeah. like grass piles and stuff everywhere. And you know, even to our farm, we like to say it's a lot of organized chaos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> chaos is really important though. Like if you take any basic ecology class, like chaos is important. It helps create a balance um, in, in an ecosystem. And so, um, yeah, but there's there's less weeding, which is which is great. And we we have like a good example a couple years ago, we had we got um, the wild boar in the area came through the farm this is before we got the big Pyrenees dogs. That's why we got them. Um, and they totally like they totally destroyed a good chunk of the farm in one night. And so those rows that got you know tilled up by these pigs still to this day have more weeds than the rows that they didn't touch because the soil got disturbed enough. And how and many so years ago was that, Lauren? See, our dogs are four, so about four, four and a half years ago. How so we can still. Oh yeah, it was that. There's garlic thrown all over the place because so they came in in October. So we just planted the garlic, and we still find it like, well, <laughs> which the gophers move it too, but the pigs did a uh, a tremendous Whoa. job. But 
that's another story. Yeah. yeah. We could go down a rabbit hole on that, but yeah. I'm glad the dogs are keeping them away. And yeah. Yeah. They're and good. That's about, like kind of your whole system though, right? Like all mm -hmm. of the other different creatures, animals, wildlife, even mm -hmm. um, aside from your dogs keeping the wild boar away, but like, tell us about that. Like how you're utilizing nature and natural creatures of the land to also assist in your farming isn't that what's happening yeah here? oh yeah totally yeah so like the first two years we hardly had any pests so it takes a while for like the aphids and the white fly and all the slugs and that stuff to find to find you and, and be happy and so they found us after two years um so yeah a side note whenever I see new farmers start up and they're like yeah and we have no pests I'm like eh, you can just wait a little bit they're gonna come um <laughs> So yeah, but then when they came, we started to see um, more of the natural predators come in too. So the things, so we like more frogs and other beneficial insects that are going to be able to enjoy eating, you know, the aphids and the white fly and that kind of stuff. Um, and so in order to create habitats for them to come and be happy, you know, we started planting at the edge of all of our rows. We always have sunflowers every year um, just because they're easy to start and they drop their seeds and they, you know, they grow by themselves. Um, <laughs> so they're a really easy crop, but uh, so that brings in pollinators. It also forms little like habitats. We have um, some hedgerows along the edge of our property. So hedgerows, and we've gotten grants through the NRCS and also Xerces Society. We just got a bunch of um, plants from Xerces this year to put in natural hedgerows. Um, so it's all native plants and they, the way that you plant them, you figure out a, um, a way to organize them so that there's hopefully always one in bloom throughout the year. Uh, which is really important. So there's always something to bring pollinators in. And then as these these plants get bigger uh, and turn into more of a hedge, <laughs> they're a nice habitat, you know, for snakes and for other sort of critters and insects and whatever. Um, and so we have those along the edge of the farm. And then there's some like flower beds and other berms or beetle berms around the farm too. So there's places for these things to kind of go to and from and find homes throughout throughout the farm so that that helps yeah but that takes time <laughs> and it's funny when I hear you say oh and it brings snakes and and these people, whatever <laughs> like I would have I would have thought because I don't know anything about farming <clears throat> I only pick what grows native plant you know medicine I, I harvest for sure but I'm not planting yeah. it because the sun is not green, as you can see. Um, but I would think that, you know, most farmers would be not wanting snakes and not wanting beetles, mm. not wanting gophers. And so I love this concept of this happy, you know, everything's happy. And so can you explain the symbiotic relationship of all of that? Because I know people, even if they have their gardens in their backyard, they're trying to keep the snakes away. They're trying to keep, you know, whomever mm -hmm. out of the area but it sounds like yeah. that's not a good idea. Yeah, I mean, to, to a degree, I understand in our area, while some people don't want, you know, rattlesnakes around for kids or pets or whatever, um, but snakes, they're really good. They, you know, they, they love eating gophers and mice and all those things that will chew up your, you know, your baby plants that you've put out. Um, they also keep the frogs in, in balance too, like years where we have too many frogs um, which is not a bad thing for a farm, but they're just like everywhere. The snakes help keep 
you know, keep them in balance, um, just as the frogs are keeping the aphids in balance or you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, but yeah, it's good. I mean, we do, we all, we have gopher problems and gophers are probably the more annoying problem as a farmer, but we have some cats and um, we've gotten really good at setting gopher traps. And so we do, you know, try to, to mitigate them, but we also plant uh, more than we need in theory so that well, not that we're trying to feed the gophers, but that, you know, it helps balance out what count for uh, some yeah. loss because of the gophers. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't envy anyone who just has like a tiny little garden in their backyard because all it takes is like two gophers to come in overnight and, you know. Oh, girl, tell me <laughs> part of the, um, the black oak restoration in Yosemite. Mm -hmm. so I was invited to come out and plant some. And therefore, they gave Gary and I three of these little black oak, like little tiny little little things. Right. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, like I'm going to plant something. Right. So I did. And I planted them together because they supposedly, you know, will flourish better together. And then I put these little gates around them. I was so proud. I'm like, oh, yeah, good job, Sharon. Right. And I would go up there on the hill and take my little watering can and water them. You know, I'm so excited. And then I said, and they were just tiny little things. I got these tiny, like two leaves, one had one leaf, like they were, that's how little they were. Right. And I'm all proud of myself. And I'm son of a gun. If you couldn't see, it was like a cartoon where the dirt was rumbled up like this. So some little gopher came and just took the, cause it was still almost attached mm -hmm. to the mm -hmm. I'm like, that's all I was trying to grow. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> the darn thing i'm like it was so little there's so much else we've got 23 acres here there's so much else you could have eaten but you had to go under the gate to get that one thing mm -hmm. <laughs> so i get the frustration with gophers <laughs> yeah yeah That's all I was trying to do so yeah so last year last year was a great year because we didn't have as many gopher issues because of all the rain we got in the winter it just like flooded them out of all their little areas that they live on you know under the ground it was great <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah. yeah so you know the way you're doing it and I love how you call it like the soil's happy all the ecosystems are happy um I did a an interview with Rose Fluhardy the nutritionist in town and she asked you know, like while we were talking she goes and how is it that their food is so good like your potatoes and your carrots are just like they're exquisite like I cry sometimes I, I might be like a biophilia person like I just look at this stuff and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful, but it's just really true. And now I understand why and how that gets to be such a beautiful, vibrant crop. Mm -hmm. uh, you grow happy crops because you have a happy ecosystem. Yeah. yeah. And there's like, we could, I, I actually can't, but we could go down a whole another hole of like the science behind what the word happy means. I just use it because it's, you know, it makes sense um to me but yeah no I know like we when we like we just traveled we went to Kauai for a couple of weeks and I, I love traveling and they have great farmers markets there so the fruit is delicious but they don't have very much produce because it's it's an island and it's different and it's different culture you know so like it's more Asian greens which is fine but you know there's just not a lot of fresh produce that I'm used to and so I come home and I'm just like I need to eat <laughs> So it's, yeah. It's, yeah it's so would you true. call that, you know, I like that term food desert. I never heard that mm. until we had this conversation. So I want to understand more about this food desert. And I would just, yeah, you're saying that. So, 
Yeah, I would say so. First off, my understanding of a food desert comes from grad school, which was back in 2008, 2009. So things have might, might have changed a little bit in the terminology. Um, but a food desert, it, and it mostly pertains to, you know, places, if you think of a city like New York City or San Francisco, or a place where people, the only access to food they have is going to like one of those little stores on the corner, right, that has alcohol and some milk and, you know, kind of like our gas station yeah. stuff. So they don't really have access to fresh food. So it's, that's considered a food desert. All right. So there's like a lack of, of fresh stuff. Um, the term has also then been used to think of, you know, other situations. So Yosemite Valley is a huge food desert, right? Because there's just like the one little store and that food, they do a great job of bringing food in, but it's not, it's not very fresh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but um, it gets there because it's so remote. Right, right, right. And so, and even, you know, in Mariposa, it's, it's a little bit better, right? Because it's like slowly closer to to fresher selections, but it's still not that great. Um, and the interesting thing I know I had mentioned in my little email that I view Merced also as like another version of a food desert or the Central Valley itself, even though so much food is grown there, mm -hmm. most of it gets shipped out, you know, to other states. You and know, it blows huge, my mind. Sometimes I'm like, yeah. why is it so expensive? It was grown five miles from my house. Like, I don't understand. Right. And so, yeah, so it, it, it's a different degree of like what that term means, but just access to local fresh food is kind of more of how I, I view that um, term. And so Andrew and I, you know, we lived in Yosemite for four years in Foresta, which was very remote. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we, we suffered from this lack of, of good eating. We had lots of grains, lots of stored stuff, you know, but the fresh the fresh food was, I mean, we tried to grow stuff in Fresta, which was extremely challenging because the elevation's so high. Yeah. Um, yeah, but. Yeah, that's, that's wild. I know, I hear you. If I don't have live food, like, I don't, that's the other thing. I don't know uh, that a lot of people understand about the minerals and the nutrients of, of live fresh produce and how that is so important for our own energy level. You know, mm -hmm. if I eat live food every day I'm sluggish you know I get when you come back from Hawaii you're like I need some <laughs> it adds a whole nother level of vitality and energy to us you know people are exhausted people are stressed out and then they're eating processed food or sadly maybe in a food desert area mm -hmm. just not getting those nutrition you know the, the nutrients from the food yeah or it's just so old and it's just like, I think you're just like, mm -hmm. or it like, and this is, again, is not a, a diss on anybody. Um, you know, a lot of our food is grown hydroponically, which is, um, which I think is an awesome invention for places where people don't have access to soil. Mm -hmm. Right. And they, you know, you need to figure out a way to grow food without that, but it, it lacks, it lacks flavor because there's lots of water in it. And, it, you know, the only nutrients that are being sucked into the plant is what you're putting into the system. You know, you have to pour mm. liquid of whatever, whatever into your system. And so that food's not very nutrient dense. Right. Um, and it can be organic, too, which is like another whole topic. Um, most of our organic berries, you know, like strawberries and blackberries and stuff are hydroponically grown. 
So that's why they're like big, but not. Yeah. In general, but not from your farm. No, no, no. We don't do any hydroponics. We're all in the soil. Yeah. Yeah. I took a, a course that they were offering here in town on hydroponics. And I mean, it makes sense. And that was basically what they were saying for people who can't, you know, mm -hmm. or don't have the opportunity farm and, you know, talking about how to utilize things that you were going to throw in the recycling bin anyway, or throwing your trash can anyway. And just, and I was like, that makes sense. But I like to have that point of view that they might not be as nutrient dense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, let me see what other questions I wrote down. Oh yeah, know. sure. Or you can continue on. We don't have to. I just, I yeah. <laughs> no, it's all good. Okay, cool. Um, so we talked about the food desert. Uh, some comment that you made in some parts of the world growing food. How are, oh, we already talked about that too. So uh, yeah, that's really interesting. That's what I was going to ask about growing food. You had said, however, it can happen. So we talked about big ag and kind of depleting nature's already regenerative abilities and mm -hmm. then basically interfering with that. And uh, so then would you say when they start to manipulate like big ag now I'm talking about, we've gone back to the beginning, um, you know, going deep and turning all that up and, mm -hmm. you know, put the seeds that they modify. Mm -hmm. would you say then those foods like hydroponics also don't carry the same level of nutrients? They probably, I would think they'd probably be the same. I'm, I don't know enough to give you like a definite answer because they're, st they're still growing in the soil. Um, although, and you know, they still amend the soil, um, but it depends. It it depends. That's my answer. It depends. <laughs> Fair, enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Organic yeah. versus non-organic. Tell me about your um, points of view on that. Yeah, that's another good question. Um, so we, you know, we've been certified organic for about four years. We've always grown the same way. We didn't change the way we grew to get certified organic. We just finally decided to to pay a little extra every year and do paperwork, really. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's it's important. It's it's whatever. But um, you know, there. I think it's. I think organic's great. I think you know that term came about in the nineteen seventies. And the USDA decided to do a certification program so that you can only use that term if you've been certified. You pay the so money. that's <laughs> right. That's the only word, you know, that has that. None of the other words, regenerative, sustainable, pasture raised for eggs, you know, natural, all that stuff. You can just say there's no, um, no person stamping like, yes, you're actually like doing that. Right. Um, so that's why we kind of went to get certified just because it is at least, um, you know, a certification in those regards. But, um, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to going through the process. I, you know, we're a very, such a small farm and the people who come and certify us every year are always really excited to come and see our farm because we're like in their minds, an actual organic farm. We're not growing one crop, right? We're not a monocrop of just almonds for hundreds and hundreds of acres like we literally have all these different things going on and so we're kind of more of what the term was created for it has turned into more of this big ag um situation and so it's still it's still fine but like you can till there's nothing about that you can't till to be organic that's like a whole nother um thing 
so organic versus non-organic, like practicing organic versus not practicing organic. I, uh, I definitely think organic is better, um, for, for us, for the earth, for, you know, for, for, yeah, <laughs> for all, but I don't know if that answered. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't, more like the level of nutrients, you know, I mean, right. pesticides aside, I mean, ugh. Right. <laughs> um, but organic does matter to me. And sometimes because it's so much more expensive, I'm talking about the grocery store. Whenever mm -hmm. you're there and I'm in town, I'm definitely stocking up. Like I know next week might be the last one. And I'm just like, I'm going to have to freeze these things. I'm going to have to like preserve. Some. Like, uh, because yeah, it cracked me up too. When you were going to Hawaii and I was like, what are you going to do with all this broccoli? Like, I'm going to feed it to the chickens. I was like, I'm going to go have dinner with your chickens. <laughs> right. But man, those chickens eat well, and it shows. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Terrific. Um, so I lost my train of thought too. Um, organic versus non-organic, and so yeah, the markets. It's sometimes just way more expensive. Yeah, you know the cost of all the foods has gone up, and yeah. And I always say the best thing to do, you know, if you're able to, is to go to a farmer's market or go someplace where you can talk to the farmer, and they may not have an organic, you know, sign because they haven't gone through the process, but just talking to them and you can ask some really simple questions like, um, you know, what do you do with your row when your, when your crop is over, you know? And so you can hear what their process is like, and then you can decide, oh, it sounds like they're doing, you know, a good thing, or I don't know about that. Um, because there are lots of small scale farms that just don't, go through the certification and so they technically can't tell you that they're practicing organic standards or you know because they can get in trouble if they use that I word love that. that's such great advice so what are some other yeah. questions and things that people myself included should be um listening for or asking or understanding yeah you can also i would say eating local is the best so you know ask ask them like where are you growing your food when did you pick this? You know, and it could be within a day or two. It depends on, you know, the crop. Um, so it's traveled less. It's traveled less like in a storage container. So it's going to stay fresher, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you can ask them if they spray. Um, I know at the farmer's market, it's at least in certified farmer's markets in California, you can't, you can't have a sign that says no spray. It's for whatever reason, it's it's like misleading because spray could mean anything. It could mean water. It's like a really weird. So anyway, you could ask them, like, do you spray pesticides? Or if you do, when do you do it? Because some of the big, you know, nut and stone fruit producers do spray, but they spray not when like the fruit is on the tree. It's like more when the flower is, blue. you know, there's you can ask all those sorts of questions and make your own judgments. Um, I usually just doing, ask but... the one question. Are you an organic farm? And right. so what I'm hearing is somebody could be an organic farm, but they can't tell me that they're an organic farm because they're not allowed to by law. Right. So I've been under the impression because I have asked that question at the farmer's market here in Mariposa. Yeah. And you are the only one that says you're organic. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to like person this because they're newer and I know their operation because I've been to their mushroom place. So. Oh yeah. And yeah. they're in their, pro they're in the process of getting certified too. So like, I think most people, at least in Mariposa at the farmer's market, they'll let you know yes or no, even if they don't have a certification or like they'll say yes, even if they don't have certification because I I'm managing the market and I don't really, 
as long as people aren't like putting signs up that say they're organic and they're not actually certified, I'm not gonna like, you know. Okay. Well, that's yeah. good to know because when they say no, I'm just like, well, I'm not buying from you. And then I don't, I'm pretty, you know, yeah. that's why I'm going to the farmer's market to get the highest nutrient value out of my foods. So um, well, that's really good to know. I love yeah. that. I didn't know that you were doing that. Oh, yeah. Another thing I do. <laughs> I know, because you're not busy enough with yeah. kids mm -hmm. and a farm and mm -hmm. CSA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. great. Lauren, this has been great. Do you have any other, yeah. um, you know, passionate things that you want for people to know about food and the farming industry or whatever? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's literally, it's been my life, you know, and I'm raising kids. I was thinking about this morning. I'm like, I haven't really, I mean, I've gone places in the world and I've thought about things in the world, but I've been really for the last 10, 11, 12 years focused on my little 10 acre property, <laughs> you know, and raising two kids. And so oh, I, 10 acres. I think I said know. four acres in my, well, we have four acres cultivated, but you know, our property itself is, yeah. um, is 10. Well, so. I mean, you're farming more than just produce, right? right. You're raising children, you know, that's yeah. a whole nother and growing also personally and spiritually. Yeah. Trying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we all are. <laughs> so um, let's share with people if they want to learn more about your farm or learn anything from you, or maybe even have you or Andrew come to their organization or, you know, to teach more about this. It's just really important. And it's confusing out there in the world. You know, I just watched that Netflix show. Did you watch the one called You Are What You Eat? Oh, no, but I'm pretty sure I know what. <laughs> Oh, it's good yeah, yeah. It's, it's more than just what you think it's like okay yes obviously nutrients and da, 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 like that. but it was a twin study I won't even go into it but just if anybody has Netflix and they want to watch it and learn because I learned a lot I was like gee I thought I knew a lot but it's really interesting it was these studies that they did with twins you know oh. I twins and they checked things like microbiome they checked things that with their neuro neurological health with, the, with all the systems like it was it was pretty fascinating huh even though you could of course you know, come to the conclusion, yes, obviously we are what we eat, eat better, be better. Uh, but in between, they had different stories of different farmers and different scenarios and, you know, exercise and all that was folded in there. So it was pretty, I thought it was very well done. Personally, I learned. So I nice. watched it twice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, add it to our list. This is, the, this is our season, January and February, where we can like actually watch, actually watch TV. Them. So we like catch up on a whole list of <laughs> all right well explain yeah. how they yeah. can get in touch with you at your farm here in mariposa county california sure. raw roots is the name of the farm but yeah yeah i think the easiest is um emailing us which is just rawrootsfarm at gmail.com um even if you just typed in raw roots farm mariposa in google like our website will come up and that at that stuff but email is the easiest for me to answer um just because for the most part except for these two months um we're so busy that I don't have time to check it until some weird hour of the day where you probably don't want a phone call for me back so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's that um we do yeah so we where we sell we have um we have a CSA which is community supported agriculture and all of those are all different just like all farmers are all different um ours we do three 12-week seasons we usually start the end of March. Um, we'll start our spring season. And um, 
everything in the box or box. We use, we use bags. We have people give us reusable bags that we just put their names on and, so great. you know, use them. But, um, everything in there is grown by us on our farm. So some CSAs bring in things from different farms and put them together, which is great. Um, everything in ours is, is from us. We do offer if people want to add mushrooms from country nerd farm, they can do that. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so if you're interested in that, you can email me at Robert's Farm for more information about that. Um, and then we go to farmer's markets. So the Mariposa one is May through October. And so that'll start the first Wednesday in May. And then there's one in Merced that I go to every Saturday. So that one's year round. It's in the morning, 8 to 11. And it's like on, in, on 16th Street, kind of behind uh, the 510 Bistro. So there's a big parking lot there and that's where, that's where that one is. Okay. Um, so you just do those two yeah. markets, Merced. And yeah. That. And then we've been going, um, so for, so next week on Tuesday, the, I'm looking at the calendar. Oh, I already know that. Oh, the 23rd <laughs> will be, um, luckily it was really nice that Hannah and Jake allowed us to set up at, um, at 1850 in their parking lot since they're closed on Tuesday. So we'll be there next week and we're going to do every other week through the end of February and then hoping we'll see how things go in March. We'll either be every other week or every week, depending on if things are bouncing back. Cause this time of year stuff doesn't, yeah, it just doesn't grow very fast. Right. Um, <laughs> so we're there three to five fifteen PM. I'm aware. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's already on my calendar. I was just like, okay. And nice. I thought next week was going to be the last week. So no, okay. yeah. Well, so I don't yeah, have yeah. to hoard and process and freeze. No, all the no you're good. Um, so when we freeze the food, just real quick, yeah, I do that sometimes. And then I wonder, I'm like, mm, like the beets. Oh my gosh, the beets were so vibrant. I want all these beets. I can't eat that many beets in a week, you know, or two weeks even. Um, so I saved the greens and I used them in my juice. And then I took the mm -hmm. beets and I chopped them up in little things. And I'm using them in my smoothies, just the raw beets. I don't even yeah. cook. Um, am I, if by freezing them, what am I doing to the nutrients? I, that's a rose question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't tend to freeze much just because we have so much, like I just, I eat more seasonally. So whatever I can find out in, in the farm, I kind of eat. Um, I do know when you freeze, you know, if you blanch it, you're losing some of, of the nu nutrients, right? Blanching, you know, putting in the I water for a little bit. So I, I try not to blanch. Yeah, I can. So I can a lot of tomatoes. That's like a big thing I definitely do every year. Cause that, you know, everything's preserved in that in that liquid yeah so it's all it's all still there yeah that's good um, yeah cool yeah, but yeah ask rose i don't know all right <laughs> <laughs> i'm big on my smoothies even in the winter you know mm -hmm. i juice and i do smoothies and so sometimes when i get a lot of things um i'm just going to juice a lot like every day i'm just going to keep juicing because i don't yeah. want to go to waste and i want to get it while it's at its higher vibrancy in terms of mm -hmm. stuff so anyway yeah. You are awesome. You're an awesome Thanks. person. What you're doing oh. is awesome for the community and for the earth. You know, I just love that you that whole mindset of happy every creature. <laughs> so. I do. I mean, there's definitely days where I'm cursing out there because something came through and ate something. So I'm not always, you know, well, happy. We're human. <laughs> yeah. Hello. I'm from New Jersey, right? I can't. I can't hide the. Uh... <laughs> I love that you're from New Jersey. I didn't know that. You know, I'm from Philly. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I can hear it. 
when I moved here I was like you got to keep your filly I always tell people I said don't get my filly up because mm -hmm. I don't think Mariposa could handle my filly I was just like no they can't, they can't. Up, Jared, <laughs> <laughs> that's great well thank you so much for yeah, taking of your day and I really yeah. appreciate you your family and what you're doing for the world so. yeah thanks for thanks for offering me to come chat yeah, great. great. All right. Have a yeah. beautiful day. All right. See. <laughs> Thanks. Visit whitefawnwellness.com to learn more about our programs and how I might be able to help you. And remember to like us on Facebook and maybe leave a review on iTunes. Be happy and be well.